or tape sucks, as we say, tape sucks much faster than your discovery. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my pool advisor, uh, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? <laughs> Good, Curtis. How are you? You didn't think I was going to go there, did you? I did not. But although you are conversation with- for the weekend, I'm not surprised that you picked the pool. Yeah, you know, you, you do have, you, you are an interesting person who has random bits of information that is often quite useful and you for, for a person who doesn't own a pool and an inordinate amount of information about how to maintain the pool infrastructure so i have to say though growing up my parents had a pool and i pretty much took care of that thing for like 10 years so gotcha listeners listen to me and don't forget you do not need a pool you need a friend with a pool you do not need a boat. You need a friend with a boat. Both, both the definitions for both are are the same, right? You know, like the a definition of a boat is a hole in the water into which you pour money. The pool is a hole in the ground into which you pour money. I thought with the yeah. boat, it was something like the happiest days of owning a boat <laughs> are the first day you buy it when you buy it and the last day when you sell it. That is actually very, very true. Unfortunately, and, and literally, and I've told you this, if I could, you know snap my fingers and that pool would just magically disappear and I wouldn't lose value on my house, I would totally do that. Like, because no one uses it. The only person, you know, the only love it gets is from me maintaining it. And right now I'm still, I, I still don't know where I'm going with this, this pipe that I'm trying to figure out if, if it has a leak, I'm pretty darn sure it does have a leak, but uh, it's an underground pipe and anybody who, you know, if you're listening, you're like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to waste any more time on that. We have um, a, a very unique guest uh, today. All our guests are special and we don't compare our guests to each other. But <laughs> when I compare uh, our our guest, you know, previous people, he is, I don't, is Persona, is he the farthest away that we've had a guest? We've had, we've had the UK. I think that yeah, I think this is true. I think yep. he's the farthest from a, from a time zone perspective. He is in GMT plus two. He has been in the industry. So, so this, this is true. I, I have literally never met a person who I can say this about besides the fact that he has been in the industry for just under 40 years. <laughs> he has been at the same job and the same desk that entire time uh he he now works well he he has worked uh he worked at another company that got i guess they got acquired or something by this company but the company that he now works at is is called multicom software oi i probably totally mispronounced that given that it's a finnish name he has had lots of experience with backup and recovery disaster recovery things like that over the last uh, almost 40 years and so I, I welcome with pleasure to the podcast, Timo Piperinen. How did I do? Fine, Curtis. So you learned it. 
the, the pronunciation of last name. People are in it. Like, oh, I did better the first time. <laughs> so uh, it, it's definitely a mouthful for this for this English tongue, I will say. And and I, I do very much appreciate your ability to speak English because I don't know any. I mean, not any Finnish. You, <laughs> how do you how do you say hello in in Finnish? Well, there's many words for it, but hey is one. Oh, way. hey, really? Hey, yeah. That's a Finnish word. Yeah. Oh, terve. 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 Yeah. Or, or moi, which is funny because in Finland, uh, we have many words which we use the same word, but in different right. uh, reasons for it. Uh, you say what was the word again? <laughs> moi. <laughs> moi. Yeah, you, you, so you can say moi when you meet somebody and when you uh, uh, leave, leave the guy. You know, Hawaii has aloha, which means hello and goodbye. So maybe it's, yep. it's, it's, similar. it's similar to that. Interesting. And our usual disclaimer, uh, Prasanna and I do both work for Druva. Timo works for Multicom Software. And uh, none of us are speaking for our employers. We are, these are our opinions and, um, you know, do not necessarily represent the opinions of our employer. Let's just jump in. I I just want to talk about this, the, the thing that I discovered from you in the pre-call, Timo, and that is that you, not only have you been at this company for almost 40 years, you didn't even, what did you say? You didn't even apply for the job? Yeah. So I was in school and uh, uh, my teacher came between the lessons to say to me that, okay, I would need to go to this one company, which was called Kalkontiata at that point of time. And uh, after the school, so I went there, chatted with the CEO about 10 minutes. And um, then at the same evening, they told, uh, showed me how to operate uh, HP 3000 mini computer. And from the next day, I started working on the same premises at the same floor where I'm sitting at the moment. Wow, that is kind of crazy to think about it. Yeah. So basically, your your professor just said, "Hey, you should go visit this company." Did did they even say why? Just did they just said go visit them? Uh no. It's because I used to be. Um, it was in the um, early 1980s, and um, uh, the computers were kind of like new things. Uh, but I had worked. Uh, played around with computers. I built my own computer, which had two kilobytes of memory. <laughs> wow. And, and, and it used to see cassette as a masterage. <laughs> and uh, so at the end, uh, it en- ended up in a way that uh, some of the, our uh, computer lessons, I actually kept computer lessons. And so when this computer company, uh, he knew which operated in the same uh, area, when they needed a new operator, they thought that, okay, maybe I could go and have a look into that. Have a look But, into it for the yeah, next and, 40 years or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's what my uh, first thing as an operator, doing backups, using those old big reels, you know. Every yeah, the night minutes, track, night track reels, yeah. Yeah, so every 15 minutes you had to manually change the reel. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, well, from the time time on, uh, of course, chasing all those reels during the night, 
I had to do something else. So I started to uh, learn a, com a new programming language that they worked on, which was COBOL. A new programming language called COBOL. Yeah. So I learned COBOL myself and started as a programmer on the same company. And after a while, I was uh, so good in uh, programming and uh, designing new things that uh, I became a project manager. And after a while, we had a uh, real products that we could sell to several uh, customers and not just a, a project to one customer. So I became a uh, product manager. Hmm. And uh, Did you find that difficult to do that transition? No, not at all. Because I, I've always said that uh, uh, to me, working in, in this company and also in this area is that when you really can say that your hobby is your work. I mean, it's, and when you're working with backups, uh, the thing is that you always get something new. There's always new uh, operating systems, applications, and so databases that you have to learn how to protect, protect them. Mm -hmm. And that's funny because uh, in the early days, if somebody needed to do the backups, so you actually took somebody from the uh, street like me mm -hmm. to do the backups. And nowadays, if you think about the guys who are really doing uh, enterprise-wide backups, you have to know quite a lot about many things. So about operating systems, about the hardware, about the networks, applications, and so on, to really yeah, understand how to protect them. Yeah, I think that's really true. I, I, I think that... It might have always been true, uh, but but it's 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 more true now than before. And because one of the things I always said, Timo, because I got my job not quite <laughs> not quite as easily as you got your job, but I got my job in in the, my my first job in backups. I got that job because nobody wanted it, right? Um, and and the guy that um, Ron Rodriguez, who who couldn't wait to give me his job. Right. Um, and the moment that he had someone else in charge of backups, he just he just like lifted up his hands in the air. It's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Right. And he went on to be a quote unquote real system administrator. Um, I, I've always made this point that we so many times give backup to the junior person in the organization when in reality, that's actually a really dangerous thing to do because of the importance of backup. And I and I'm sure in your career. You have seen because you've it's I'm guessing you've worked with a bunch of customers because now um, the the company that 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 you worked for I, I don't know if it became this because you Multicom um, is a a reseller of a number of things do you specialize in backup and recovery or um, you know is it just one of the things that you do. So we do only backup and recovery and long-term archiving. Okay. And so I can imagine you've seen a number of interesting customer problems uh, and big restores along the way. Yes, we do have a lot of uh, incidents over the years, all kind of uh, war stories out there. So <laughs> it just depends on what you want to hear. <laughs> 
Oh, this is interesting. Curtis, where do, which which war story do we want to hear? Yeah. I, I I, you're just going through the list here. I'm trying to think what would be unique that like Demo might have experienced over his years, right? I, I guess one question for me is I'm, you've been in the space for a long for a while. Um, and I guess is there anything specific to Finland in terms of backup and recovery that people may not expect? Yeah, I think one thing is that we tend to keep our backups for a very long time. So, defined very defined very long time. Well, most of the companies have something like a yearly tape, which is kept for a decade. So ten years, ten years, yeah. So, so what they do is they normally do backups daily, or several days, times a day, of course, depending on your SLAs on RPOs, and uh, so maybe they keep these daily backups for three months. Then they make a monthly tape, which is kept for one year, and then yearly tape, which is kept for a decade. And they keep this, and it's just in the regular backup software that they... Yes, it is in regular backup software. Uh, almost all of the implementations that we do is that even though we do this kind of our implementations, we never take the tapes out of the library. So we use a big libraries. Wow. So you might... So you you might have uh, worked with uh, old powder horns, yeah, uh, within this honeycomb style. So yeah, the storage so. storage 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 tech model. Which I, I don't know. Do they still does Oracle? Because Oracle now owns that. Do they still make those libraries? Uh not anymore. Those, but they got this new one called which is called SLA eight thousand five hundred. But anyways, these libraries are in a way that you can you can have over ten thousand cartridges. In one library. So you mentioned that you don't take the tape out. How do you go off site? <laughs> you you do for DR, right? You just don't do for long term retention. No, we don't do it for DR either, because the tape library is normally put into a totally different location than your uh, primary hardways. Oh, interesting. And of, and of course, in many cases, you need to have uh, copies of the backups in two or three locations. So. So we can create uh, copies, uh, of course, from the tapes. Uh, we can actually mirror the backup streams during the uh, uh, so that the backup client actually will write the data to the first backup server, and the backups the second the first backup server will actually mirror the data stream to the second backup server on the second side. So you don't have to okay feed, feed the data from the client side twice how far apart are you able to put those uh it's just tcp ip so wherever your tcp ip can go it's going over tcp ip in, in, in practicality what do people typically do so we are heavy users of the uh backup networks and of course our networking guys are saying that uh they normally never see any network traffic except when the backups are running because we tend to shuffle a lot of data over the network. And in Finland, uh, we have good connections. So so even though the country is about 1,000 kilometers long, so you can have two copies a few hundred kilometers away from each other. Basically, your, your DR, it sounds like, is, is fully automated where you have two you, you have two copies of the data, but neither copy of the data is on-premises, or at least on it's not where the servers that you're backing up there it's stored in another location yes that is true. interesting and then and then and then there's another location 
which is even farther away from the data center it's protecting. Yeah, that that, that is used for the DOM. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we used to do this in, I used to see this commonly for like primary storage, um, where they would do synchronous replication to a nearby site and then asynchronous replication to something like halfway across the country to get their DR as well. You talked a lot about tape. To what degree is tape still the primary method of data protection for Finnish customers? Well, it, it is a big portion of the uh, biggest uh, customers of ours still, because uh, if you think about a customer which would have something like uh, tens of petabytes of data to be stored, and if you if you store that data to a backup disk, which means you need another 10 petabytes of backup disk. If you want to replicate it to another side, you need another 10 petabytes of backup disk. So it's going to be a little bit costly. And also, of course, because if, if you are using a spinning disks, uh, it will also use a lot of electricity, which is not so cheap. Even though in Finland, it's cheaper probably than in your where you are sitting at the moment. Is it? Yep. You know what you pay for. This is another topic of interest for Curtis <laughs> and I that we always another, talk about this. Yeah, kilowatt. So it's the same metric, right? Kilowatt hour. Yes. Do you know what you pay per kilowatt hour? Well, there's two portions of it. So there's the uh, per kilowatt hour I pay at the moment in my home of four cents, so four euro cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, but 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 then I have to also pay for the uh, transfer of that electricity to my side. And uh, that's at the moment about seven uh, cents per kilowatt hour. So altogether, okay, so eleven. Altogether, eleven cents. Yeah. Yeah, we're, I'm paying roughly three times that, but I do live in California. So you should have all that sun. Actually, I do have solar uh, on my house, so I have that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you are correct. You are paying significantly less, at least than here in California. But I have no idea what they pay uh, elsewhere. But it, is it? Because um, the because you are, you you are absolutely correct that that while disk offers a number of advantages, the disadvantages it comes with are you know definitely cost. It's still more expensive even after deduplication, and then you know power cooling. A hundred years ago, I wrote a blog post that said that that if disk were free, like if if you could get you know if you were buying. You know, there's no question in my mind that disk is better from a from a backup and a DR perspective. But when we look at cost, tape comes out way ahead. And because I made the point that even if the purchase, the initial purchase of disk was free, tape would still be cheaper because of the ongoing electrical costs. You're right. Electricity is a big part, but I think it's also just density. You mean in terms of the the amount of space that it takes up? Uh, Timo, we we previously had the the CTO of Spectra on here and uh, Spectra, they ha- have always historically made a, a, an argument that even within the tape world, that they had the densest um, like terabytes per square uh, meter, you know? Yeah. Per tile. Yeah. So yeah. So th- there's a cost in real estate and then there's a cost in power. And I'm, I can't, I, I don't know anything about the, electrical infrastructure of Finland, but I know in other European countries and the UK, which is now <laughs> no longer part of the EU, they sometimes can't get more power. Is that 
a challenge there in Finland as well? Um, no. Okay. So it's not a matter of getting it. It's just a matter that it, it, it's going to cost more. And one thing, as, as you said, that disc is always better. Um, I can actually argue that some, most of, uh, many times, when you are restoring large amounts of data, you can actually restore it faster from tape than from a standard deduplication appliance. Array. Agreed. I, I, I don't think I said disk is always better, but I, I, I would say that you, you, you're completely correct uh, that if you're doing a straight restore, it is quite possible that in many cases a tape can go faster, assuming, you know, uh, you you architect it properly for that. What what I would say is that you can do things with disc that you just simply can't do with tape. So, for example, you can have your DR copy ready to go. Right. The only way to do that is to to use disc uh, for DR. Right. Yep. Uh, to use disc and and you know and then you can have a different discussion as to are you going to do that yourself? Are you going to do that in the cloud? Uh, but you, 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 you just can't, if you're going to do tape, a hundred percent tape, when you go to do a disaster, you are looking at a restore and there's no way around that. Would that be a valid statement? Yes, that is true. But, uh, but that's no backup. That's uh, kind of like business continuity that you're talking about. So if you have ready DR copy, <laughs> it's not a backup. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I, I, but I do see when you look at one of the things I've been trying to do over the last, you know, I don't know, not as long as you have, but one of the things I've been trying to do is trying to find systems that can do both backup and DR. Because from a cost perspective, if you can have a system that does backup and DR, it can be done possibly less expensively than uh, having two systems, right? So let me ask you a question. So for the for the if the bulk of the companies, I, I do. By the way, I do like this design where both backup copies are essentially offsite, right? Um, and one of them, it sounds like, is really offsite, and it sounds like that's a very common design. What, what percentage of people that do that also have some sort of disk-based DR copy somewhere? I think all the uh, business critical systems have a some kind of uh, uh, DR ready environment. Okay. Also, do you know what percentage of those customers have some notion of local disk based protection, be it snapshots or something else, or is there only copies off of their production site, like not or or there only copies that don't exist on production site? Yeah, almost all of the uh, let's say bigger companies, also smaller ones nowadays, they, they are using uh, hardware snapshots of your primary disk array during the backups already. Okay. And uh, then there's, there's funny problems happening. Like uh, uh, we, we had one customer who's uh, using heavily these snapshots and uh, relying on those when, when doing the uh, DR restore. And uh, somehow this... Uh, Backup RI window got a new version of the uh, of their firmware, and uh, they dropped one uh, call from the API. So you can't anymore do hardware revert for your snapshot. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, say say that again. So you no longer can do a hardware revert for the snapshot. 
so early when you when you had when because you had of a, this, you said this was caused because of a firmware upgrade. Uh no, yeah. So the uh, version of the uh, OS of that primary disk, disk array doesn't anymore support hardware reverts. So you can create snapshots, you can mount those snapshots to a different place, but you can't say that okay, this this one that you are showing to the primary host, it should be replaced with the snapshot. You cannot do it. So well, what's the point of taking the snapshots if you can't use them? <laughs> well, you, you can use them, but uh, to use them, you actually have to copy data over. Well, that stinks. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that sounds more like a bug rather than a feature. <laughs> well, it has it, it has been a bug over uh, eight months already. So. <laughs> wow. And, and well, let me ask you: when when this happened, <clears throat> was it was it was it, hey, we're going to upgrade and we're going to take away this feature? Uh, or was it, hey, upgrade the latest firmware? And then people said, hey, this feature stopped working. What what just happened? Was it, did it seem accidental or on purpose? Uh, it is documented. So they, they there's a little bit saying that, okay, this call is no longer supported. I, I appreciate you keeping the vendor sort of, you know, not naming the vendor, but at the same time, if I were a customer of that vendor, I would stop using that vendor. Well, at the moment, that that customer, uh, we are actually still using the old API, which is no longer officially supported. Oh, so so basically, they had the choice of saying, "We're not going to upgrade the." So wait, are they? Are you saying then they never upgraded? Uh, well, actually, there's two different integration parts in this array. So, so if you are still integrating in the old place, you can still use this hardware revert, but uh, it's no longer officially supported. So it might drop that whenever they get a new version, it doesn't work anymore. It might become deprecated at some point. That'll probably come up in the next year or so, in which case, sorry, you really should be doing something else. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, something like, uh, you know, at some point of time in the early days, there was these companies who started to use heavily snapshots on your primary arrays and maybe copying yeah. them to the secondary environment mm-hmm. and saying that you don't need any more backups. And and then one of our customers who was doing it, they found out that they had so many snapshots that they couldn't anymore upgrade the operating system of the array. <laughs> <laughs> so only only way to operate the operating system of the array is to delete the snapshots first. Yeah, was this <laughs> caused uh, by that the the inordinate retention that you talked about? Like, were they keeping snapshots for ten years? Uh, not for ten years, but a longer time, yes. And they had a lot of snapshots, so there was over ten thousand snapshots on one array. Whoa! Yeah, so basically they ran out of they 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 exceeded the that array's ability to hold snapshots. Yeah, I, I I know people, you know, we could have a whole other, I, I think we actually have had a, a podcast where we talk about whether or not just snapshots plus replication satisfies, you know, backup and DR, but but definitely it's not a long-term retention option, <laughs> yeah. right? When you, when you, when you get to, t- <laughs> when you get the 99999 snapshots, you know, um, something breaks right it's like the unix epic time right yeah. that um when you get to you know if you don't upgrade to a is it is it 32-bit you have to upgrade to 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 
make it past 2037? Yeah, yeah. Because if you're still, well, I'll just say this. If you're still using a 16-bit operating system uh, in 2038, um, you deserve what's coming to you. Because <laughs> basically what happens is the counter, you know, for those of you that don't know, don't know what I'm talking about, in Unix, Unix, Unix and Unix-based variants, which, by the way, includes Mac OS, um, they count time as the number of seconds since January 1st, 1970. And um, in 2037, the counter will reach nine, 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 whatever, however many nines it is. And if you're on a 16-bit operating system, it, the count will then revert to zero and your computer will think it's January 1st, 1970. This is the Y2K problem uh, pushed forward uh, 20 years, right? But all you have to do is upgrade to a 32-bit operating system. Everything's fine. So it sounds like there are a number of people that are using on-premises snapshots. And, and that is a great way to do what I think of as convenience restores, right? If you've if you've corrupted the data, you haven't lost disk drives, but you've corrupted the data. You know, you've deleted a volume or a file or dropped a table in a database. Reverting a snapshot to a previous version of time is a great way to to do that restore. Would you agree? Yes, that is. I would say that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why, why go to tape? Why go offsite if you have all of that? On premises, right? I, I think it also helps in the case where you want to allow users to just restore their data, so you never ever get a trouble ticket or a help desk ticket, right? That is a beautiful thing. I think a lot of users these days are used to going to a dot snapshot and then just pulling out the files without ever having to call IT. <laughs> All right. So we, I remember before we got into the snapshot thing, we were talking about the degree to which companies that have critical systems have some sort of uh, disk-based DR copy, and it, and it sounded like you said any of the companies that have systems that are mission critical, they're doing they're doing that for those. Was that was that a valid? Yeah. So so they are using the uh, of course very uh, stretched clusters and things like that to handle the uh, outages. So they are looking for real hundred percent usability of the system. And the other copy, does that tend to be in a data center they own, or are they using the cloud for that? Um, well, in Finland, many of the companies are outsourced to a big outsourcing place here. Yeah? But okay. of course, cloud, cloud is coming more and more prominent because Google has a site in Finland now. Okay. So, so you can actually... AW, uh, does AWS and Azure not? I don't think no, they No, do. they are in Sweden. Other oh, in Sweden, okay. So Google has a site in Finland, and so that's now becoming an option. There, there was something you mentioned in the email back and forth. You mentioned something about uh, a customer having a problem getting more disk at a cloud vendor. Was that a burgeoning cloud vendor, or was that, you know, I don't know. You don't have to out them or anything, but was it was this a name that we would recognize, or is it was this like a small cloud vendor? Uh, I think it's a name that you would recognize. Okay. And so basically they said we're out of capacity in the cloud, which which makes sense. I think we all assume that hyperscalers or cloud providers have these unlimited resources and really they're just another data center 
And they also have equipment that they have to bring in and capacity planning and all the rest. Yes. Right. So, so, so we were using uh, our own backup software on that side in a way that we uh, deploy backup services, virtual machines on that cloud. Mm-hmm. And of course, we use disk space as, as the backup storage using DDAP and things like that. Right. And, and as, as the environment growed, we just added more uh, service because they had a limitation how much disk space it can show to one virtual machine. So we always had to create a new machine at a certain... Oh, that sounds incredibly uh, expensive. ...certain amount of terabytes. And uh, at, at one, one point of time, they said that, sorry, you can't deploy any of, more of these backup servers because they, they are at the moment running out of the disk space. So it was a temporary problem? Yeah, to... so it, yeah, it was yeah. a temporary problem. It lasted a few weeks. So even though they have a normal uh, acquisition time, so that like like sometimes when, when smaller companies are talking about DR, and they are saying that, okay, we have to be able to restore this data within, let's say, five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever the time is. And then if you ask them that, okay, you have this vendor's uh, hardware on that site. If that site burns down, how fast can you get those servers and that is this subsystem to, to restore the data? Right. To, to how, yeah, how fast can you physically get the hardware to restore too, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. 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 So it's maybe four weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great for restore DR. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So in that so in that way, the cloud is good because you don't have to put all your data into this second copy of the hardware, which you hope you will never have to use. Yeah. You know, we've been talking for forty minutes, and we've begun. We've yet begun to scratch to scratch the surface of the email that you sent us. Uh, but this is fascinating. You know, it's a fascinating look into. Uh, uh, basically a very different way to do backup and DR because in, in the States, would you agree persona that, you know, most companies have gone, uh, I'm not going to say all, but, but definitely a majority of companies have gone to disc based protection as their primary mechanism. And they use tape only for that, that offsite copy. And, which- and, and, and I would actually probably even say that, there are even less and less companies using tape anymore. Right. Where they're right. just saying, I'm going to either throw it up to the cloud by a, a tiering approach, a cloud tier like approach, or I'm just going to replicate it to another disk based backup appliance. It's just really interesting to hear, Timo. I think it's just a different, it's a different mindset, right? It's a different mindset of, you know, you're, you're looking at system. If the system is mission critical, then we're going to have a replicated, you know, ready to go system in the cloud uh, or, or something like that, ready to go. And if it's not that, then we're going to accept the challenges that come from, you know, uh, having to restore everything from tape, right? I, I completely agree with you that tape, the problem with tape has never been, well, at least not in the last decade or two. It, it's not that it's too slow, right? It's that it's too fast, right? Well, let me, so let me ask you this, Timo, how are your customers dealing with that challenge where the the, the, the biggest challenge that I had with tape as a primary mechanism for backup, the way that you're currently using it, was the speed mismatch problem, right? That 
the, the tape drive wants to go, you know, these days, hundreds of megabytes per second, and I can't get a backup to go that fast. And so my only alternative, so let's say with net, with net backup, for example, or, or networker, my only alternative was to multiplex, right? Which, which solves one problem, but creates another. How, how are customers dealing with that uh, particular issue? Yes, I, I think there's the problem is that, um, let's say, all of these, let's say, major players at the moment in the backup market, they are also seeing the thing that, okay, maybe, or believe in the idea that tape is dead or tape sucks. As we say, tape sucks much faster than your disk array. <laughs> 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 the problem is that they haven't really innovated on how they use tapes. So with this backup tool that we are working with is that our idea has always been that we want during the backup, the backup tape, tape drive must be the bottleneck on your environment. So right. we, we are trying to drive the tape as fast as it can at the moment. So normally at the moment we have a one physical backup server and maybe three tape drives behind it. And we can write about seven terabytes per hour to that through that one backup server. So if you need more, add a new backup server, free tape drives, and so on. So it scales linearly. And uh, here, the, of course, the normal problem would be that, okay, if you are writing data with multiple streams because your client is not fast enough anymore for the new tapes, is that you have to use multiplexing. So in our cases, our customers are using multiplexing like 45 concurrent streams to a single tape. And you are thinking that, okay, if you are in 45 concurrent streams, then your restore might, must be a very awful. But in our case, we can actually guarantee you the restore speed. Say that again? We can guarantee the restore speed from that tape. No matter how fast your client was doing the backup, we can guarantee how fast we can read that client's data from the tape. That one individual client, right, can read the data. Yeah. Yes. And, and the reason for that is that we actually multiplex with very large blocks. I know you're not naming the product in question, but I'm pretty sure I know the, uh, I think I've talked to the product in question because, I, because I've heard this before, this idea that the problem with multiplexing from a restore speed from the traditional products that have used it is that they use these very small block sizes. And so it's like read, skip, read, skip, read, skip, read, skip. And what you're saying is your when you're doing the read, you're reading very big chunks of data. Yes. So our multiplexing block is 10 to 15 megabytes normally. So one split. And uh, the good thing with the new drivers is, which is not fully implemented with this uh, backup tool at the moment, is that they have these new functionalities like uh, uh, this read access optimization or RAW or TAUS with the other tools, which allows you to kind of like tell to the uh, tape drive that, okay, I want to have these blocks from this tape and it will read the tape uh, in optimized form in a way that your backup system probably gets the data in wrong order. So you have to have some kind of cache disk in between where you actually order the, order the data before giving it to the client. And we actually are using our flash disks on our backup servers to do that. But the good thing is that if you are backing up, let's say, one petabyte of data, you don't need one petabyte of flash disk. You need only the cache, which is right. before yeah. this uh, tape drive. Yeah, you need you need a cache 
I figured that I, I was I didn't I wasn't sure you were going to say flash, but I I knew that if you're doing what you're talking about, you've got to have some disk between the two. But you're right; it, it's a cache. It's not it's not a capacity issue. It's it's a cache. But it, flash is now so cheap, right? And it's becoming cheaper every day, right? They're saying that it's going to be the price of disk in a relatively uh, short amount of time. Um, so let me ask you. So so seven. I I, I stink at this kind of math. Seven thousand seven terabytes an hour. What is that in megabytes per second? I hate translating. <laughs> I, whenever I do the math on this, I always get an order of magnitude off. Seven thousand terabytes an hour is how many terabytes or megabytes per second? Anybody know? Doing the math. Doing the math, Curtis. Yep. <laughs> I tried to do it, and I got. I I know I got it wrong. It's like almost two thousand megabytes a second. Yeah. So it's about two gigabytes per second. Yeah. So that divided by three is 666 megabytes per second per tape drive. I'm impressed. It's very hard to impress Curtis, just so you know, Timo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I, I know you probably already said it, but how how are you using the the the, the flash also during the restore in order to guarantee the the speed or is it just that you're you're reading large blocks of data before you have to skip ahead to another block of data yeah it's it's just uh, re, uh, reading the large blocks at the moment so we don't even use the raw at the moment and uh, so far all the restores that we've done uh, they are normally actually faster than your backup so we had something like very very slow clients which was one of one stream of those 45 streams and the backup had take, taken uh, 16 hours to complete, which is very slow client in this case. And the restore to a fast client of that same stream from the tape took 35 minutes. Uh, and, and so it sounds like during a restore, what you, you want the reverse of what you had during the backup, and that is you want the disk and the system you're restoring to to become the bottleneck, right? Not the... It, Right, you want it to be the thing that determines the restore speed, not your backup infrastructure. Yes, and that that sometimes gives us a problem. Like this one of one of our customer actually, they lost a one primary disk array totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they they had a bad firmware update, and voila! After reboot, you had a lot of empty disk space. Oh really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> so they upgrade the firmware of what? Of their disk or yeah. of the server? Uh the disk array. Oh my god. So the, so there was uh tens of terabytes of disk space and hundreds of machines connected to that. Ugh. And uh when we started to run the restores to that through the, using those hundreds of machines, um uh, First, the restore speed was quite good enough, but then this this uh, disk array happened to be one of these uh, new, brilliant, intelligent machines. <laughs> where you don't say that I'm I'm doing a raid, whatever in it. Uh -huh. So so all of our restores first landed to raid ten array, and after uh -huh. a while, it found out okay, there's so much data coming in, I can't fit it in inside my full array when, you, when I'm using RAID 10. So it started itself to transform it to RAID 6. Yeah, convert it to RAID 6. Yeah. 
And of course, during that time, you couldn't restore anything. <laughs> That's a really intelligent, dumbass array. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, that, well, that's, I, I think that's, um, you know, we can sort of end here for now. Uh, we're, we're going to have to have you back on because it, you're, you're, the stuff is fascinating. I, I totally agree with you that most backup vendors and most backup people just sort of left tape by the by and said, you know, we're not going to innovate for it. And I do think I am aware of at least one vendor that I've, that I've, I've actually, you know, they've, they've argued with things that I've written because of this, right. They're like, Hey, some of us are actually innovating for tape, um, which is interesting. And, 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 and it sounds like you're being drawn to that vendor because of, you know, your, your own infrastructure decisions of like, Hey, we, we've, we've decided to use tape for these reasons just for backup, not for DR, at least not for mission critical systems. And so therefore you, you created a demand for better use of tape. And then at least one vendor stepped up and provided that. Does that sound about right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. And, uh, one, one thing about that, those using tape, tape drives in a two location and a third mm -hmm. far away. So right. we actually ex experimented uh, this rate kind of technology, which is okay. Yeah, redundant array of tape libraries yep. in our case, where where you actually um, had data written into first library and some data written into the second library. So we can actually create a parity tape on the third library. Is this with that same company? Yes, and. Uh, creating this parity tape on this other side, first of all, the tape formats don't have to be the same. So we can have different vendors, tapes, tape drives in each three sites. I remember there, there was a company, there was a company many years ago that tried to do the, the rate idea. And what they found was that be, because it was, it, it was starting to, the, the problem with tape was starting to become the speed problem. Right. And because, it, because that was already a problem, rate made that problem worse. Because now, now you needed a backup to go even even faster because you were doing it to to multiple. You know, you were striping it across multiple devices. How are you dealing with that yeah. issue? Well, we don't uh, do it that way. So you are oh. thinking about <laughs> you. You are thinking of like like rate. Right. I'm saying I'm saying that you have one copy already written to one tape, right? And then you have some other data written to another tape, and then we'll just create a uh, parity almost, uh, right? Par yeah, a parity on the third side. So we read those both tapes and create a parity tape on the third side. And, and so that, all three tapes don't even have the same format of the data on them, correct? That is correct, and they don't actually have anything to do with each other. They are just kind of like saying that, okay, that if you lose one of these three tapes, we can recreate that data. Which is actually pretty cool. Okay. 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 I, I think I have it. So you're saying if if I lose any of the three? Well, yes. I guess if you lose the parity, then you have the two fulls, right? So so the advantage, what's the advantage of that versus another physical copy? Is it just capacity? Yeah, because if, if, you, if you want to have kind of like two copies of your same data. 
So you would actually need to have four tapes in this case, but now you actually can use with three. And it's huh. fast. It's faster to create one parity tape than two copies. Interesting. And one one funny thing that happened with this is that their their customer actually wanted to restore something that retention time had already gone. So one of these tapes that we were using when we demonstrated this uh, had already been overwritten with the new data. And the customer said that okay, I, I actually would like to restore that data which was on that tape which we already overwritten. And uh, so we we were able to recreate that data using the parity tape and the other side's tape. So they could actually restore something that they obviously didn't have anymore. I'm assuming that process isn't necessarily the speediest of processes, the no. recreation? No. Yeah, okay. But it, but it works. It, it works. And it's it's about the uh, speed of the tape drive still, if, if you have fast enough uh, networks. Right, right. Because you can actually oh. read, because you actually read the whole tape sequentially, so you get the full speed of the tape drive. Well, my mind's blown. How about you, Prasanna? Yeah, no, that's actually impressive, because I, I just go back to like I spent a lot of time in the storage side, the disk array side, and I remember one of our biggest challenges were as disk drives got larger and larger, doing RAID rebuilds become like problematic just because you're limited by the number of IOPS you can get off of a disk. And if it takes you forever to rebuild like a 12 terabyte disk, then there's a chance that you might encounter another error. And now your RAID group has issues. I like this approach of using tape in this fashion because it's something that's sitting idle or that's offline almost, but it still gives you that ability to rebuild without requiring all of the overhead of keeping multiple copies around. That's actually pretty cool. What percentage of the, like if, 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 if a tape, if the two tapes, right. So you have a terabyte tape over here and a terabyte tape over there. How big would the, uh, would the parity tape need to be? Terabyte. So it's the same. So. Because it's a parity okay, tape. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I guess I'm back to being confused. What's the advantage of that versus just having a third copy? You have one terabyte of unique data on the first tape. Not a terabyte on unique data on the second tape. To create oh. copies of that, you need oh. two terabytes of the third side. Oh, okay. Now, now okay. you need only one. <laughs> All right. Now I understand. Did you did you follow that persona? Yeah, yeah. It's like normal RAID, right? It's not you're keeping you're not keeping the exact same duplicate data on each tape copy, right? So that is yeah. And we, we actually been uh, uh, experimenting in things like having okay, maybe if you are reading three tapes. And creating one parity. Yeah, exactly. Because then your yeah. efficiency would get better, right? Inter or, yes. Sorry, the overhead would get less in terms of what you need for that RAID. Yes. But then, of course, you need you should have kind of like three different tape libraries to read from yeah. to get the, to get the real benefit from the uh, right. second second site. Right. All right. I I had no idea we were going to go here, but we're gonna we're gonna finish for now before you blow our minds again. <laughs> so, um, uh, Timo, thank you so much for coming on, and we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back. This has been fascinating. Thank you, Curtis. Uh, it's funny to be in here. So, I learned a lot, Timo. Thank you. I, it's always good, like Curtis said, to hear things from a different perspective. Sometimes things that I had never even thought about. So, Persona spent his whole career without ever touching a tape drive, Timo. Actually, hold on. Wait. Uh, the yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did touch so, a zip drive. 
but not a yeah, so, so, it's not the same so 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 you are kind of like young people like my uh, children used to uh come come to me once uh, uh from my mothers so their grandmothers saying that grandmothers having really weird cds they are <laughs> big and black <laughs> Yeah, luckily I, I do know what vinyl and records are. So, <laughs> yeah, Persona is is younger than both of us, uh, but not too young. It's just it's just based on his um, based on his exposure to the to the market. He spent his whole time on the disc array, yeah. you know, vendor side. So he he just hasn't he hasn't actually fired backups, you know, <laughs> on tape drives anywhere. Anyway, all right. Well, we got we got in this before before you know the. The, the sun's starting to come up outside. <laughs> well, all right. We, well, we don't get that much sunshine. Here, so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's finish this here. real. Okay. So uh, uh, thank you to the listeners. I hope that you, I hope your minds were as blown as ours and uh, be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. System isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. It'll be completely done Maybe